0: Invited by somebody who is who is 18 to 28, and you're a little bit older than that number, but you're coming with them, then you may also attend. I'm not looking at anybody specific at all. I said (laughs) maybe someone. So if you're if you're coming with someone invites you and they're 18 to 28, but maybe you're not, you can still come. There's no one at the door that's saying stop. Don't come in. Uh, Grace, you don't put that slide up for me. What I just promised you guys I would do a little bit each week uh, is just link into some of the announcements that we just heard and how those link into what's happening uh, at our church. And really, this, th- this morning, I just want to focus a little bit on the lost saved. And we're looking at these shoeboxes and seeing these shoe boxes go out. And we did 300 last year, right? And our target is 300 th- this year. The boxes that we did last year went to Ukraine. Is that correct? They went to Ukraine. So 300 young boys and girls in the country of Ukraine had the opportunity, one, they have the box, we know where they went, which is kind of cool, we can track where they go. And then also, secondly, they got to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to see their lives completely transformed with the open opportunity from the box, to lead actually then into a discipleship course as well. So we truly, we're excited about OCC. They're doing a great work. We love to partner with them. Of course, partnership is one of our things. Like, we couldn't, I mean, we could, but to, for us to gather 300 boxes and figure it all out. But some other organizations are already doing that, so we get to partner with them to see that. So it's exciting, uh, it's exciting times. I have a scripture for our offering. If you're going to pull up Luke 16, <clears throat> verse 13. Those who are watching online, Luke 16, verse 13. I just want to read this. Um, And then as Liz was mentioning, too, I would just encourage you to write stuff down that the Lord's speaking to you during your fast. Write stuff down. Because the Lord says things to us, and sometimes we have to write them down so we can go back and remember them. I told you about my little note in my phone, right? I have this in, in the iCloud. I keep a note on my phone that just has... I've been doing it for 10 years, and it's just scrolling, note after note after note. Someone said something to me prophetically. The Lord reminded me of a scripture, and I date it, and I write it down. And I would just encourage you to write that stuff down, because you know how many times I go back and read those encouragements? A lot. Sometimes we have to be reminded of God's word in our life, and and we have to, uh, talk about guarding our hearts, talking about guarding, we have to remember the word of God in our life and what he has spoken to us. And it's so good to go back, so I'd encourage you during this time uh, of fasting, these, these three weeks here, I guess we're in the, starting the last week of it, we've got the books in the back, uh, the abide books in the back for you to go back and, and you can read through those or different prayers for each day, uh, which, which I love, but some of the words God has spoken to me that I've written down has been this contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. I mean, I wrote that down, I was like, you know what, because I'm going to need to remember that. Godliness with contentment. And you know what he told me yesterday? Complaining. (laughs) I need to stop complaining. He was like, I'm pretty sure, amen. I got an amen in the front row. Do everything without, oh, I was just like, oh, it hit me right there. And I was just like, really, Lord? This is the word of the Lord for Jason Ackerman in 2021. Do everything without complaining. It's one of the words. Everything. Yeah, uh, I don't need anyone to hold me accountable to this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do. I need you guys to hold me accountable to these things. Yeah, complaining. Then, of course, last week was freedom. Pastor Melody was up here. You know, and I realized afterwards the service was over. And many of you might have been like, who is this woman who came up here and ministered to us so greatly and with such power by the Holy Spirit? Who was that? I never mentioned who she was. And I know there wasn't a whole lot of newcomers or guests, but uh, Reverend Melody Lavin, she's the president of VMLI, Victorious Living Ministries International, and we support them on a a monthly basis. I'm actually on her board as well. I believe she may have mentioned that at some point. I was kind of in the spirit, so I wasn't totally watching, you know, listening to everything that was going on. Uh, But that's who that was. And part of, you know, our giving and our offering goes to support those ministries that are reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we do this with others as well. So let let me read this. Okay, let me read the verse. Sorry, Grace, you put that up there for me. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We can't serve both God and money. Can't do it at the same time. Just like when when faith and fear can't occupy the same space, we can't serve both God and money at the same time. And we have to put our complete trust in him for our finances every single day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every gift, every giver this morning. Father, I thank you for the words that you have spoken to us. We thank you for the word that you have. The word of God, Father, that can just lift us up day in and day out. Father, I pray that you bless every giver this morning. Those who are watching online as well, Father, that you would just meet every need as they seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And Father, as we move into the time of sharing your word, Father, that you would just resonate and just arrest our attention, Holy Spirit, today. Open our ears, open our eyes for what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chet. Okay, first I'd like to say this, guys. It is my honor and privilege to preach the Word of God to you. I just, I mean, sometimes, man, it's part of this thing of, you know, not complaining. So you know what I mean? It was just like, the Lord just reminded me. This is an honor and a privilege. And I don't know. That's all I have to say. I just was moved by that this week. And I love you guys. And I want you to know that everything I say is because I truly do love each and every one of you. And I never want to come across as being harsher or, or whatever. I just always want, if I'm saying something tough, it's because I love you. It's because I care about you. Because I want the best for you. And I want you to know and hear what the Lord is saying and speaking to us this morning. So I say all that as I want to make a few comments uh, on this week on the inauguration. I have a couple of verses that I, I just want to read that I was just reminded of because the Lord told me I couldn't complain. So I couldn't complain. So I said, Lord, what should I do if I shouldn't complain? And he said, pray. He said, Pray. And so this week, of course, you know, a new president was inaugurated in, and here's what the Lord told me, God's still on the throne. No matter who was going to be president on January 20th, God is still on the throne. Come on, church, God is still on the throne. And we have to remember that. No matter who's in political office, God is still on the throne. And we ask to also remember that he puts leaders in place. He puts leaders in place. It says in Romans 13. Grace, I think I have that up there. Romans 13. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority, none, no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. This has been a time that he appointed Forever however long or whatever happens, whatever it is, we have to understand that God is still on the throne. Amen. And that doesn't change. And I said, well, if I can't complain, what do I do? I have to pray. It says 1 Timothy 2. It says, therefore, I exhort first, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, And giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Church, we need to pray for those who are in authority. We need to pray for those who are in authority. So I just want to take a moment as we open up here. Can we just pray for those who are in authority this morning? Just bow your heads this morning. I just want to do something a little different as we start. Day 14 in your fasting guide, if you're looking for something specific on how to pray for those who are in authority, day 14 lays that out. So Father, we just come to you this morning. Father, we ask that those who are in authority would be God-fearing, that they recognize that they are accountable to you for each and every decision that they make. Father, that you would grant them wisdom, you would grant them knowledge, that you would grant them understanding. That, Father, if they are unsaved, that they will be drawn to the saving encounter with Christ. That if they are born again, that they would be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. That they would recognize their own inadequacy and pray and seek the will of God. That they will respect authority and practice accountability. Father, we ask that you will give them godly counsel and God-fearing advisors. Father, that they would be honest and faithful to their spouses and to their children. Father, that they would be active members in local congregations. Father, that they would desire purity, avoid debauchery, pornography, perversion, and drunkenness. That they may be honest in financial, tax, and all ethical manners. That they will seek out and nurture godly friendships. And that they will have thankful and teachable spirits. And, Father, that they would be generous and have compassionate hearts for the poor and for the needy. So, Father, we lift up this new administration to you. Father, we ask that you would truly arrest their attention for you. That they would come to know you. And, Father, that you would also be with them. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 4 I just want to talk about this a little bit, then we're going to get up, you can open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, that's where we left off last week, but Proverbs chapter 4, I just want to say something because I listened to a podcast by John Eldridge, whom I like, I like some of the stuff that he does, Andy, thank you for sharing that with me, but he talked about guarding our hearts, and with all the stuff that's going on, we need to be intentional about guarding our hearts, have to be intentional about guarding our hearts, And not allowing the things that we see or the things from the outside to penetrate into our hearts and begin to influence the way we act and the way we feel. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4, and says in verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. But if you go back up to verse 20, I want to read 20 back through 23. Because how how do we guard our hearts? Listen to this. My son, give attention... To my word. In order to guard our hearts, it's like we have to put a hedge of protection, which is the word of God, around our hearts. Give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes and keep them where? In the midst of your heart. If we can keep the word of God fresh and living on the inside in our hearts, that is actually what guarding our heart begins to do. Because when that is fulfilling and inside our heart and it's just overflowing with that, the outside stuff that tries to come in, it's like there's like a force field around our heart. You know what I'm saying? And truly, as I was looking at the scripture, I felt like every word that you read in the word of God is like putting another, another uh, like protective barrier around your heart. And I talk about reading the Bible, and, reading, and I'm on you constantly about reading. I don't care if you do the Bible reading in a year with us or not, but I want you to be digging into the Bible, because this is what the Word is saying right here. This is what it's saying. It says, give attention to my words, incline my ear to my sayings. And so honestly, I feel like every Word of God that you read, every scripture is just building this wall around your heart and guarding your heart from the things of this world that try to infiltrate it and begin to try to move on our hearts. And I was reminded this, this, really this year, I'm working on living from my heart a little bit more. But if I'm going to live from my heart, I want the word of God on the inside of my heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, that's all I'm going to say on that. Back to John, 1 John chapter 2. Last week we, we read this, it said, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, verse 7, 1 John 2, verse 7, for those who are watching online. But an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And we talked about what that meant last week. We talked about the, you know, some of the, the law or the word that was there from the beginning, some of the things that they, people who were writing the New Testament, understood as that was what the word they had was some of the commandments. And then we talked about how Jesus came. Oh, thank you, Lord. How Jesus came, and and really, Jesus and his salvation and that message is the only way it's even possible to keep those commands. And when we fail on those commands, he restores us. And it's all about Jesus. So we said, again, a new command, verse 8, I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So a new commandment, what is this new commandment? Verse 9, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Verse 10, he who loves his brother abides in the light. We're talking about abiding. Abiding in the light was kind of our theme coming into this year, using these scripture verses to it. It's been the theme of our prayer guide. He who loves his brother abides in the light is in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 11. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Yikes. And I call this this passage of scripture a measure of abiding. A measure of abiding. This new commandment to love. You go back and look at the, the, at the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. All these things. But this new commandment is what? Love. Love. Jesus came to show us love. A love that is greater than any other love that we have ever seen in our lives. It says we need to love God, but there's nothing else in those Ten Commandments. And so when Jesus was on this earth, they asked him a question. They said, well, what are the greatest commandments? What are these commandments? What are the greatest ones? Is it, is it the honor of the father and mother? Is it, I don't, I shouldn't lie. What is the greatest commandment? Commandments and Jesus answered him. It's throughout the Gospels. The one we'll look at this morning is in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. Grace, do I have that one up there? I don't know, I'll just read it to you. Jesus, she's shaking her head, like, mm, you didn't send that. Jesus said, Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall, these are the two greatest commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. That's first. We have to love him with all our heart first. And how do we guard our hearts? We have to have the word of God on the inside of our hearts. Which means it is impossible to love the way Jesus loved if we don't have the word of God on the inside of our heart. And I can tell you, there are seasons of my life where I'm not digging into this word of God. And I tell you what, it is hard for me to love others. It's just it just is. It's hard for all of us. And this measure of abiding in him and in his word can be one of the measures, not the only measure, but one of the measures is how well are we doing at loving others? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. What did we say this morning? Aligning everything up with our spirit man who is in direct communication with with God. All of it has to be lined up. My heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, my feelings, everything, my thoughts. Align them up with the word of God. And the second is like it. Look at this. Verse 39, Matthew 22. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. So Jesus is saying is... All that other stuff, all the other thing from the Old Testament, the words that they, all of that hangs on these two things. Will you love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and will you love others? But then he says, will you love others as you love yourself? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. You shall love your neighbor as yourself? I'm like, Lord, what does that mean? And I feel like the Lord just continued to, just to download to me, is that we need to have some grace for ourselves. This isn't a self-help or feel-good thing. What I'm telling you, though, is God loves you so much, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. Could we, as people in the flesh, have a little bit of grace and mercy for ourselves? We are so hard on ourselves all the time. And yes, the Lord demands obedience, and we want to be obedient, and our heart is to serve him and to love him, but we have to have some grace and mercy for ourselves, and the only way we can do that is we have to receive God's love for us. We have to have a realization and a recognition of God's abundant love towards us, that he loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son. And when we begin to understand that and know that and who he is in our life and what he's done, we actually can be able to begin to love ourselves even just a little bit. And it's only after we work through that that we can actually go and love somebody else. And so we have to get a revelation of God's love. Church, we have to get a revelation of God's love for us his goodness to us, his faithfulness to us, his care for us, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. It's a measure of our abiding, our ability to love others. Is really, it's really, it's linked to our ability to understand and receive God's love in our own life. And man, I was just like, Lord, I need to understand you more. I need to understand you more, Lord. I need more of you. I need to read your word more. I want to pray more. And I desire all that because I desire more of his presence. And when we do that, he does the transformation. He does the work on the inside of us. Romans 13 says this, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Does no harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those prophecies in the Old Testament. I was teaching the youth last Sunday night that there's like 350-some prophecies, depending on where you look, leading up to the birth of Christ. And I looked at them and I said, how can, how can you not believe this? How could you not want to be in this? There are prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that point to one person, one man that came from heaven that fulfilled all of these prophecies. Statistically, it's impossible. It can't be true. It's impossible. But he did that for you because he loves you and he cares for you. And he put these, I mean, it just you read these, it's like, how is that possible? Born in Bethlehem, from Nazareth. I mean, all of this stuff, it's not possible that one person could do all this, but God. Not to mention it was written over hundreds of years in different countries by people who didn't know each other. It's not like they got together and said, hmm, if I say this and you say that, then we're really going to get them. What? There's no malicious intent. This is the living Word of God. Inspired by God. Written by man, inspired by God. Man. So, when we love God and love others, all the other commandments, they're not a burden or a struggle, but they're just the overflow of Jesus' love that we have received in us and flows through us. No more striving. Obedience flows naturally because we're recognizing the love of God that he has for us. It says, he who loves abides in the light. He who loves abides in the light. So what is this love? What does it mean? The Bible talks about love laying down one's life. We've defined love multiple times up here as doing the best possible thing for the person in the moment. The definition of love, I believe Doug Jones gave us that. I mean like a decade ago. I'll never forget it. He came up here inspired by the Holy Spirit and just Doug Jones is, uh, I think he's like the district or actually North America director of all the Rhema churches. But he came up here and he just said, man, love is doing what's best for the other person in that particular moment. It's like, man, that really hit me hard. That's what love is. Not what's best for us in the particular moment but what's best for them. So this is what it means. How do we do this? How is it possible? We have to continually to invite Jesus in. You have to invite Jesus into your relationships. My famous, famous, I've done like five, three weddings, four weddings, five, I don't remember the number, but the scripture I always use is about Jesus' first miracle. What was Jesus' first miracle? Turning water into wine. And I tell him, have some wine periodically. Anyway, but that's not the whole point of the story. The point of the story is, is that Jesus was invited to the wedding. You have to invite Jesus into your relationships. You have to invite Jesus into your struggles. You have to invite Jesus into every area of your life, and then he can do the miracles. If you don't invite him in and you leave him out there, how is he able to work from out here? You have to invite him in to every situation that you have. Worship team, if you want to come back up, we're actually going to sing another song here at the end. I was on a phone call, on a Zoom call. Oh, so many Zoom calls. How many are done with the Zoom calls? (laughs) So many Zoom calls. Or Teams. So many people use Teams or Zoom. But I was on a call with... uh, he is the, one of the senior leaders at something called One Focus Network. One Focus Network, just listen to me for a minute. His name is Pastor Jack he is that, that network is an apostolic overseeing network that we are uh, really coming together with and beginning to partner with. You talk about the circle. And Pastor Jack Robleski was our pastor growing up. So he has been a mentor to us. He's been in our lives for really forever married us, uh, gave us the questions to ask Pastor Jim when we moved to Erie. And he said, I said, we call him Grubby. He said, hey, Grubby, give us a list of questions to ask, you know, whatever church we end up getting planted at in Erie. And he gave us these questions. But I was on a Zoom call with him. And I want you to listen to this very carefully, what he said. He said, in 2020, churches were praying for a Revival. And we desperately want to see revival. And he said revival doesn't come until there's humility. And I feel like we've been talking about that here as well. And it just resonated with me. He said revival's not going to come until the church humbles itself. And begins to love others and begins to love the world as Jesus loved the world. He said, then and only then will we see revival. And he called it a revival of love. A revival of love. We long to see revival in our city, in our land. Then we need to get a revelation of who Jesus really is. Put him on the inside and love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And out of the overflow of those things, we will begin and be able to love others and see this revival. Amen? I want to close with with this because we're going to sing another song about being victorious. Here's something that I learned from our reading this morning. Actually, just just close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to have scripture up there, but I just want you to meditate on this and listen to it for a second. In our Bible reading this week was the story of Joseph. In Genesis 39, it says this, And Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, An officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Listen to this. And the Lord was with Joseph. In great trials, in struggles, in being sold into slavery, the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Listen to this. And his master saw. His master saw that the Lord was with him. This is my prayer for you today, guys. That wherever you go, whatever you do, that others will see that the Lord is with you. They will see it. These are people of the world. They saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper In his hand. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And he made him the overseer of his house. Down a little further it says, And the Lord, look at this, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had. The story of Joseph goes on. He then gets thrown in prison. Another trial, another situation, another challenge. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with you, church, in every trial, in every situation, and showed him mercy. And the Lord gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. No matter what situation Joseph found himself in, the Lord was with him and gave him favor. And then in Genesis 41, Joseph interprets some dreams. He's now with the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh turns to Joseph and says this, "...insomuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you, because the Lord was with him, church. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you." And Pharaoh said to Joseph, "...see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt." Just close your eyes and receive this this morning. God is with you wherever you go, whatever situation you're in, whether it be a trial, a test, a temptation. And we look at this story and we think it was suddenly, suddenly Joseph moved from the prison to second in command, but it wasn't suddenly, church. It wasn't suddenly at all. It happened in one day, but it truly happened over the course of time. All those years of challenges and struggles, Joseph never, never walked away from the Lord. For the Lord was with him. And if you walked away from the Lord, today is the day to come back to him. Today is the day of salvation. Many of you have been praying, seeking, asking, what is God doing? Who is in control here? Oh, I can tell you God is in control. It was over the course of 13 years that that story had played out. I want you to know this morning that God is working. We need to trust in Him. We need to invite Jesus into every situation in our life. And as we go into this Time of worship, one more time. I know many of you have already been up here to the altar. But I don't want you to miss an opportunity that if you are in the midst of a battle, in the midst of feeling like you've been imprisoned, in the midst of a storm that says, but I've been praying, I don't understand what's going on, I want you to come up here. And I want you to sing this song. And I want you to recognize that God is on the throne. That he is in control. And by walking up here, you are stating and you are inviting Jesus into that situation. You're saying, I'm inviting you into this situation. I am tired. I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm inviting you into this situation. Come to the altar this morning. Come and know. That he is on the throne. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those who are up front or maybe you're just in your seat, just raise your hand and receive from him this morning. Receive that peace that passes all understanding. You've casted your care onto him for he cares for you. He is on the throne, church. He is on the throne and he is moving and working in every situation. And Father, we trust you. Father, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. 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 The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Father, we thank you for penetrating, infiltrating every situation that's represented up here. Lord, we don't have a false hope for these situations because our hope is in you. we stand on your word this morning. Your word that says if you are for us, then who can be against us? We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. in this time of the Lord moving and working as the service closes we'll have some prayer teams up here if you've never accepted or made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today is the day of salvation today is the day of salvation if that's you this morning if that's a tugging on your heart I just encourage you to come up here after service and we'll pray with you And agree with you. And make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. So Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that you are moving and working, ministering life as only you can do it. And Father, I thank you that the first couple weeks of this year has been a time of weight loss. (laughs) I have just, there's been so much weight that has been lifted off of me, and I know off of many of you as well. So Father, I thank you for that weight loss. (laughs) I thank you that your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and that you take those cares and concerns as we're linked up with you. So, Father, we thank you for weight loss in this new year. The loss of those concerns, those burdens that we carry, not that they've disappeared or the situation has miraculously changed yet, but we're trusting in you and that you are working. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everyone says amen, amen, amen. Well, the prayer teams will be up here at the end. I just want to read this benediction to you. It's a short one today out of Ephesians six twenty four. Grace be with you, all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Go in peace and grace. Amen.